You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Seller Show here on Sirius XM. Lighting is downright ominous. Dude, it's a great interrogation light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where were you on the night of... (laughs) Yeah, sir. I was in the middle of my introduction. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. Kind of professional. I apologize. I'm not. Uh, Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Comedy Seller Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. The Comedy Channel... we're here at the back table of the comedy show. Dan Natterman is not here this week, uh, so you may want to turn it off right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Noam Dwarman. I'm the owner of the Comedy Cellar. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Mr. Yes. Dove Davidoff. Who, yes, hello, um, everybody. is a comedian and actor who may yes. be seen regularly at the Comedy Cellar. He's also in a movie now that's streaming uh, Hustlers or something. TV movie. You know, I'm hacking around, baby. I get around. <laughs> Uh, our producer, Periel Ashenbrand. I know it doesn't sound right to say that name that way. And Michael <laughs> Moynihan is the national correspondent for Vice News and co-host of the Fifth Column Podcast. That's a Reason magazine? No, there's a Reason guy on it. And I used to work at Reason a long time ago. Yeah. Um, many, many years ago. I just don't tell people that now where I work because they get upset about it. No, but wait. If they know about it, they get upset about it. Does Vi- does about Vi- Vice? Does Vice have about a reason? Does oh. Vice have a political uh, uh, point of view? They come from a particular spec part of yeah. the spectrum. You can ask me that right away. Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I should know. But um, I don't know. Have you a, is it supposed Vice? to, or does yeah. it? I mean, it's is sort it of. It does. Reason is a libertarian outfit. Yeah, and and you know, I think I bring maybe a slightly different. Uh, 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 taste to the the vice stuff because you know I mean it, it's sort of list left yeah but you know I shot something here with uh, the great Judy Gold on uh, comedy on college campuses and how they're uh, preventing people from performing because they don't like their material right. so we did that and like so when people see, saw that it's not the typical fair advice vice used to be kind of a very libertarian place when it started and it's been it's you know it's the times change and, and you, I'm an old man you so. list. Libertarian, you know, whatever that is. I don't, know yeah. that, I don't know if that's right or left. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm these days. I have no idea what I am. I just, I just fucking hate everyone, and I don't know. I guess that's libertarian. I mean, I guess it should be left, but, it, but it would be called right. Yeah, well, all the things that I think that should be lefty things, and nobody's on the left cares about anymore. So, like, free speech is kind of a big uh, thing of mine. Um, you know, on you our part, fascist. I mean, well, and then you know, and talking about, I talk about anti-Semitism a lot. I yeah. used to write for a. A Jewish magazine, despite he the fact that I'm... He pointed at me. Let the record talk. No. Well, you're... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming... I'm kidding. I'm assuming. I'm, I'm, I'm the only... Yeah, yeah, you people. Yeah, I'm I'm just, I was, I was just gesticulating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm the righteous Gentile here. Yeah. I'm the Raoul Wallenberg of this table. No, I... And so, like, that... The, the left is failing on quite a bit. We just had Barry Weiss on our podcast. I think has been on, on, on this yeah, show, too. Yeah, she's a friend of the place, She's too, great. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, like, a lot of the things that I would think that were lefty things... I grew up in Massachusetts. It's not a very right-wing place. How about uh, treating people all the same without regard to their skin color? Uh, that's crazy. What were you, what are you <laughs> insane? No, I do. I do the podcast with Camille Foster, who is a, a a black libertarian-ish guy who refuses to identify as black. By the way, he's like race is a stupid. Oh, is he, is he West Indian? I think I heard yeah, of this guy. Yeah, I think Col- yeah. Coleman Hughes, who actually Col- referred Coleman, me to you, yes. told me about uh, Coleman. Uh, Coleman's a great guy, and yeah. uh, and I met uh, him through Camille. So there's a small network of guys like that who mysteriously are not a small network when you actually ask people. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of commonly held beliefs, but nobody wants to say these things these days. So for instance, when we're recording, this is the other night, 
I just am terrified of talking about half the subjects. I'm just terrified of it. Because, like, stepping on... I mean, I, I have friends who have been canceled. I mean, comics are the last place where you can get away with it, and even that seems like it's closing a little bit. But uh, It is. We, we had a thing done about this podcast last week by this guy, Seth Simons, who emailed me today, and he's going to come on the show. And he tried to make the case that... Uh, Why didn't he email me back? I don't know, but he... he I, I had said some stuff about um, how we have gotten away from the, all the lessons of like double-blind experiments, where sure. we understand that the the person least with the least involved uh, uh, is actually the most objective, and that we uh, it, the the um, ridiculous opposite of that is like the sixteen nineteen project that I was talking yeah. about, where they yeah. were dismissing real criticisms based on the color of the skin of the of the historian that was criticizing yeah. them. So anyway, that got me into trouble with Seth Simons, and he called me. Basically, racist adjacent, but he sent me a nice email today. And he's going to talk about it. But I have to say one racist thing. Racist adjacent, and no, then he sent you a nice email. That, that's my phrase. Uh, that's a good T-shirt. So, but yeah, just, let, just let me digress for one second in case anybody saw that. I, I did. He was right about one thing because Natterman had interrupted me. So just for the record, I also did want to say that, that, of course, there's a place for people who are very close to something who may always understand something with a nuance like... Uh, that, that someone else wouldn't. For instance, people who have actually been on the receiving end of stop and frisk certainly do have an essential role to play in the discussion of stop and frisk. And I actually really was going to say that before Dan took it away. But other than that, he quoted me pretty fairly, and he's coming on, and soon enough we can discuss it. So Which anyway, I mean, go I mean, ahead. D- Donald Trump, of course, got in trouble for this, um, I think rightfully so, when he was uh, attacked that judge. And so that judge could not adjudicate <laughs> things because uh, yeah, it was a uh, Mexican American. Yeah. Yeah. And that is kind of out of the playbook of people who saying that only people who are of a certain race can actually talk about issues or, you know, it's, I, I'm terrified of that stuff. We did a thing on 1619. We got a huge response to it, but the whole time and my knees were knocking the whole time. Cause I know people are going to say, you know, look, your last name's Moynihan. You're from Boston. You're white. You're not, you shouldn't be talking about this stuff. Why but, is cancel culture still such a, 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 a part of this discussion? When people from both the left and the right, I've yet to hear anybody sort of affirm it in a way that they accept that it's reasonable Mm -hmm. and or not something that should be removed from general discourse. I've yet to meet the person. Yeah. It's, it's and yet the most so empo- much discussion. But about it's the it. most empowering thing you can do, right? I mean, as the canceller, you don't yes. actually have to make an argument. There's, no. a, there's like this passel there are of so words. There's so few cancelers. There's so few people doing it, and so many people talking about it. Yeah. And so something seems disorganized about the amount of discourse associated with this topic and the number of people actually yeah. doing it. I feel like it's such a small vocal minority, it extremely is, for sure. vocal. But you need, I mean, you kind of need that Spar- the Spartacus moment, right? You need what everybody to say, the, the, at the end of Spartacus and says, I am Spartacus, and everybody says they're Spartacus, I see, right? I see, if right. you don't yeah. do that, everyone is going to, look, I've seen this happen to many friends, people, most, it's funny, because most of them are actually innocent and do, didn't do anything yeah. wrong, and, and particularly bad, because in the business that I am in, we're supposed to be probing things, and actually, right. you know, going to, you know, awkward places and tr- trying to figure things out, rather than having this rote set of responses if you deviate from them that you get fucking sent off the island. It's crazy. Well, and they're so closely associated with the left when, in fact, I don't see the left. I mean, if Bill Maher is on the left and lots of other people are on the left, I don't see anybody kind of affirming their existence in a positive way. It's like, 
Yeah, I mean, I would say that it, it happens. Who on the left with a voice or a cr any kind of creative expression affirms yeah. the idea that we should be able to cancel for... for well, for I, I mean, look, take somebody like Barry Weiss. I mean, you don't have to have Barry tell you this, and I, she, I don't think she would, but just talk to anybody within the New York Times, and I've right. done that, and it's right. a very, very hard existence to be Barry Weiss at the New York right. Times. Imagine that. This is the the newspaper of record and you have somebody who is a liberal barry is a liberal and you know people some, somebody said to me the other day oh i didn't know barry was gay i was like what how what does that matter right what does it matter to her argument when she writes like beautifully about the tree of life shooting right. and then you know i see five minutes later people are like oh well it's barry wise and she is toxic and she is psychologically canceled by me yeah. even if she's not by the society right, right. you cannot listen to her do not listen to her and look that's an incredibly empowering thing because you don't have to make arguments mm -hmm. this is these words that people use like white privilege yeah. what does that mean i don't know i'm yeah. not terribly privileged the way i grew up and i know some people who who aren't white, who are right. quite privileged. Should we have that argument? No, don't even bother. It's act, it's absolutely not worth it. And what's and also dangerous about it, of course, no, Noam, you're no, the boss. You are the boss. The, the, the thing about being canceled, which is um, still puzzling to me, is that we really don't know what's a hall of mirrors and, and yeah. what is real. So, like, if the guy from Netflix who used the N-word in the yes. conversation, if Netflix hadn't buckled, it just what nobody really cared. Yeah. A lot of times these people right. were canceled just because somebody in corporate America didn't have the balls to say, no, I'm not doing it. As I, opposed to like Bill Cosby. Question, why Bill Cosby are we, is truly canceled. Why? Yeah. Uh, well, but yeah, <laughs> well, but he was, are, I think he was arrested. <laughs> yes. I'm saying, but people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that wasn't cancel culture that canceled them. It was it was the, uh, a law. It was it was the no. But I'm saying was, there are certain people who are truly actually that's not cancel that, culture. That, that that well, he was is, a rapist. What, what is cancel? I know that, but they've always been canceled long before cancel culture. Anybody, if thirty women came out to the guy, rape me, you got canceled but by society. The slight difference in that is that Hannibal Buress didn't say anything that anybody didn't know. It was the fact that this is like you know feminists who write about this is an incredibly permissive culture. The fact that we all knew what Bill Cosby did. He'd he'd been in front of a judge. People had already talked about this, and he was still loping around and talking about you know pull up your pants and stuff right. like that. It's, that was just a reminder, and then people said, "Oh, yeah, that's right." Same thing with Michael Jackson with the uh, the Neverland uh, documentary. But now I think we've listed so far in the other direction that we there's no there's no judge, there's no jury, nobody adjudicates this so stuff. One day just it's the kangaroo court of public opinion. Yeah. That's what I call it. Terrifying. But isn't it a uh, paradox but, but, but Bill, Bill, Co are... Bill Cosby. I mean, uh, right, Bill, I Bill Clinton has not been canceled. No, he I mean, no, he hasn't. So well, he just got ahead. There's a reassessment <laughs> of him now, though. But Man, a lot of liberal journalists ahead. are writing and saying they were sorry. Right. Uh, this guy Matt Iglesias for Vox. Said Sorry that, for not canceling. Him. Sorry for not canceling. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, for not taking it seriously. So, so what I, is the nature of cancel? Like, like, so the marginalize then attempt to marginalize someone else for an perceived slight. It's a weird paradox. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what it really is. Noam's point is is the right one too. Is to never forget. Told you. To God never forget that it's, it's often people canceling on behalf of groups that they're not a part of. Right. So that's it's, what I mean. it's always it's like, you know, hey, let me take care of this for you. It's like the like right. the white savior thing. The Netflix one, was it a black person that complained about that? I don't think it no, was. No, no, no. There's a one, I mean, this is so common that you don't even hear about it. The Human Rights Campaign, which is a gay rights group in D.C., same thing. A woman was, was, was fired for using the magical word when she was saying, don't use this word. And then she got fired. It's like, well, no, no, you're not supposed to use it either. It's like, no, no, but I'm demonstrating a point. So context and intent doesn't matter. Imagine a judicial system where intent yeah, didn't matter. And that's kind of where yeah. we're living. So oh, let's, say, let's take Louis right. as an example. Is right. Louis been canceled? Right. Ish. 
Oh, he's canceled. No, I mean, he's still if, out. If you read the Huffington Post or, or, or the, the places that cancel, yeah. he's been canceled. However, Millions of dollars in deals were canceled, but the culture has... Yeah, yeah I understand. America. However, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he could still sell out the garden. Yes. Yeah, no, right. I mean, I think so that that's So what does a, that mean? It means that They're he... They're doing ha- it on our behalf? He, or they're doing no, it to he, please each he, other? He came... I mean, he managed to start to come back yeah. in a way. And there are gradations I of I bet the garden wouldn't let him play there. But the fact that you even have you really to say so? something about about him doing a set here and someone leaving and saying, I'm upset, I didn't feel safe. I mean, let's just be honest. That's absolute horseshit. You're in a room with someone, you don't feel safe. What the fuck does I'm that like, even mean? Do you mean know how many actual rapists are in this room? <laughs> yeah. Well, but, yeah. But, but Some the thing of them is, are on stage. <laughs> the term just now, at this table alone. Yeah, this table alone. <laughs> <laughs> the, the term not feel safe uh, is no longer has an actual meaning. It can just mean that triggered. I don't feel safe. I'm triggered. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, like the word. Yeah. The, I got a great yeah. email from somebody outside of my organization that said, like, they, they mentioned this show. It was like a podcast thing. And they said, you know, look, uh, we need, God, what was the phrasing? It was like, uh, we all, everyone, um, this was the exact phrase, we had, everyone looked the same, they're all white, and we need a diversity of opinions. Right. Now think about that for a second. It took yeah, me no, a second. How like, white people have a diversity of opinions? I, I, yeah, the, yeah. You, you, just, you just conflated skin color, right, skin right. color and, and, and With opinion. monolithic opinion. And so like that word means nothing to me anymore. I have no idea what but diversity means. Do you think it's possible just to, I was wondering to say, because was, there was an article, wasn't it? The Times? No, Wall Street Journal about more attacks in, in Brooklyn against Jews. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, they always talk about the Trump effect. Are we seeing an intersectionality effect? I, I mean, are people being just uh, uh, marinated in the, yeah, in the idea that it's okay to judge people by the color of their skin, especially white people, and eventually that comes out in people's bigotry? Well, we have the most amazing thing now, is particularly with with the rise in anti-Semitism, every year, if you look at these hate crime statistics, and they're, they're, they, they're funny because you have to self-report and you, they're not really accurate, but anti-Semitism is always the top of the list, always, running the per tables. Per capita, per capita. Uh, per capita, yeah. Because and, of the Hasid. Well, okay. and, and oftentimes, by the way, just in pure numbers, but, it's, but per capita too. But the funny thing about this is why we had two anti-Semitic shootings within the space of, of three weeks, and both were terror attacks. Because terrorism, terrorism is, you know, a political motive, right? Wrong perpetrators. We have not exactly right, and we haven't heard nearly anything Wrong about them. Wrong victims as well. Because we've heard the reporting; it was right across the river. We have to report on it. But we, what we didn't have was the national conversation. If it was a white nationalist doing the exact same thing, exact same victims would have a national conversation about the Trump effect. But we don't hear about the things in in Williamsburg, and I live in a Hasidic neighborhood. People getting hit with bricks and the rest of it, because the perpetrators make this a little more complicated. And the guy, when I, I said to friends when that thing happened in Jersey City, I literally said, and I, I can confirm this, I texted him, I said, black he- Hebrew Israelite, I guarantee you. And it's true, because... So they, the they were the ones causing trouble in Covington Catholic... Exactly, they're involved in both of those. Yeah. And, and we forgot about the one in Florida, which was the Saudi National Air Force guy who shot up the Air Force base. And the day of the shooting, it said, oh, we've, by the way, we found anti-Semitic stuff that he's posted, anti-Israel, and then anti-Semitic, and then sort of jihadist stuff on, t- and that story's gone. I mean, was it in, there's missing people too. There's four or five studies that, that disappeared. We've heard nothing about it because it doesn't fit a broader narrative. We have to talk narrative or it doesn't matter. So that's, I mean, that's the thing that troubles me in, in, in you know, particularly in the UK too, in this election that just, it was a, it was a great defeat for anti-Semitism. And that narrative- Jeremy Corbyn lost. Um, that narrative is if you're not disadvantaged socioeconomically, then, then it doesn't matter that you've been slighted and yes. or perpetrated upon. Well, I mean, and, and particularly in, in Jersey City, there's a video making the right. rounds 
of people in front of the kosher grocery store after it happened. Right. Saying, well, if these Jews didn't move into our neighborhood, right. this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. The, the video's out there. There was an article about it in I, the, the Star Ledger, one of these, I shouldn't say which one it was because I don't remember, but a Jersey paper saying, wouldn't quote from the video, but just said, people are using yeah. this video as propaganda to you know, make a political point. It's like, so, well, yeah, of course. So, this, know, is, well, hold on, so this, is, this is just kind of what I was getting at. So, we've been hearing for a long time that gentrification is a yeah. quasi racist thing. And, yeah. and people, you know, moving where they want to move. So then why wouldn't somebody say these Jews shouldn't be moving? I mean, at some point when you just, when it, it becomes normalized to talk that way, then it just becomes very easy to take on those attitudes. And then the dominoes fall and eventually somebody gets hurt, you know? So, I mean, it's a very fair point because, uh, you know, this is a very uniquely modern thing to think that neighborhoods are owned by ethnicities or owned by groups because if you look at New York at any time, any time in history, look at a block and then look at the photos of that block, everything changes every 10 years, every 20 years. And there's those migration patterns and ultimately, you know, early immigrants are up in, you know, or in Nassau County or in Bergen County, they just move out of the city. These patterns are totally natural, but now when there's wealth attached to it, because New York has become a safer place, not necessarily because of you know, Giuliani or Bloomberg or anything, but because the city's gotten richer. And that's just a fact. And so there are, there are net benefits and there are, of course, net negatives. But it's not a, a grand sort of racial scheme. It's a, you know, Marxists are ultimately right about this stuff. But it's much more interesting to talk about class than it is about identity. Just help you out. Karl Marx was the, the guy who wrote about... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all... I feel like the city is in terrible shape. I of feel like it's more do. dangerous... I grew up here. I grew up in Queens. I've lived here on and off my entire life. You more dangerous. Let her talk. Let her talk. Just walking (laughs) around, like no, you're much less likely to get attacked. Let her talk. Okay, I'm sorry. No, you don't. I mean, it's a conversation. You don't think that the city's in fucking shambles in the past five years? You don't think the city feels like so much more of a disaster. I mean, I haven't seen a city like this since the 90s. Really? I mean, I think it's a disaster as far as like, Why is that managing funny? the city. Because it's because there's absolutely no factual basis for such a comment. I, I, mean, I don't it, think that's the actually 90s. true that okay, there's no you, factual me, basis. They've decriminalized okay, you, a lot I, of... I don't think you were living in the city in the 90s as an adult. No, but I was here. My grandparents lived here okay. and my aunt in lived the 90s, here. And I, everybody I knew was mugged. We, we had a whole there system. Was, if waitresses had to go home late at night, we were concerned about them. I mean, well, the, murder the, hasn't I been I can't even remember the last time somebody told yeah, me that. As far as I know. I, I, uh, Colin Quinn, who's always here, had a great bit about having mugger money back then. Yeah. You That's had right. to have a little yeah, bit of money yeah, on you yeah. to give the mugger. If you yeah, didn't, yeah. they'd it's shoot ab- you. It's absolutely you didn't have money. Colin Quinn is a great man. <laughs> right, can we talk about I want to get back to this stuff. Unless you want, I want to talk about impeachment because sure. Coleman told me yeah. that you— have a whole show about it. I was doing a show, um, and we did uh, three episodes and a bunch of live uh, things, and then we're stopping it now because it's inevitable what's going to happen. Uh-huh. And we're we're launching a new show in February, a nightly uh, political show. So do you have show. do you have a spiel on impeachment? Right I mean, now. I do, I'm but sure it's, I disagree. But it's go ahead. like I mean, look, the spiel on impeachment is basically that that it's this is just political theater for everybody, right? I mean, I was listening to it on the way in, and Republicans are getting up there and giving their two cents, which is all the same thing. It's all this kind of three-card money stuff. They're not talking about what Trump's accused of. They're talking about, oh, they've always wanted to do this. They've been doing this from the beginning. Well, yeah, it's politics. And, you know, Democrats are kind of 
heavy breathing on it and I think making something that is bad infinitely worse than it actually is. And we know how it ends. It's like we know how exact. I mean, he'll be impeached tonight. Sometime, maybe during this recording, he'll be impeached, right? You'll remember will be, where you were when it yeah. happened. I can't, yeah. <laughs> we'll all yeah, remember. remember tonight. And he'll be the, 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 the third uh, president to have been impeached. And it'll go to the Senate, and it's going to die there. And that's that. And then both sides will use it in 2020. And I think Trump actually has the leg up well, on this. I, so let me explain a few things to me. So, you know, when it first broke, I was actually um, very persuadable that this was that he ought to be removed. It first broke, it seemed, it was presented as like a total civil liberties violation of an American trying to like, uh, not not dig up dirt, but but smear him. You know, that, that, that was the way it presented in order to um, affect the election. Yeah. And then for two months we heard about bribery and crimes and, but now, and you heard about bribery only because it's the one of two words mentioned in the Constitution as something that's impeachable. Right, but, and, but there were long articles saying that it, it, it met the, the statutory yeah. uh, definition of bribery, which is not necessarily the name is the Constitution since the statute came after the Constitution. Yeah. But now, I don't know, I can't think of any argument to impeach Trump that doesn't include, that is not based on, come on, you know, it's Trump. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like there's, there's you, you have to. You have to be all in on, look, you know this guy's a dick, and you know he lies all the yeah. time. But in a normal, and I know this is not a criminal proceeding, but the lessons of rules of evidence. I mean, we have rules of evidence because they're designed to get us a more accurate result. Yeah. So it should I'm, act like a criminal proceeding, despite the fact that it isn't. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not prepared to just ignore, I, I mean, all through this, I think to myself, would that be admissible in a court of law? Do they have yeah. anything here that would be admissible in a court of law? What about when you take out all the hearsay? Yeah. Yes, they, they can do what they want, but what does that say about what they're doing that they, that they can't? I mean, so let's go through the articles of impeachment. The second one is absurd. I mean, can you, the second one is, is I don't know. obstruction of Congress. Not Essentially, that there's anybody in this audience. They demanded some witnesses. The, the White House said, no, we have executive privilege. I see. Right, and then the right, Congress right. declined to take it to court. Yeah. How can, how can that possibly be impeachable? A pretty thin read, yeah. Is I there mean, any is, read there at all? It is. I mean, it is. You can you can list this as an impeachable offense, and you know they adjudicate this in the House and the Senate. Why I think it's it's slightly different, and it's strange that you couldn't. If this is a criminal trial, you wouldn't have people like John Bolton and people like John McGahn and people in the White House, like you know, like setting their subpoenas on fire. To be like they're they're just like very blithe about this and executive privilege and all this stuff. If no, it was I'll give you a perfect analogy. Sure, they could be a witness in a criminal trial who said, "No, no, it's um, attorney-client privilege." Sure, and then the and then the, and then the prosecutor says, "Well, you know, we're not we're not going to sue you. Sure, we're, we're not going to bring contempt charges." Well, the McGann. I mean, the, the judges ruled against McGann, right? So, in w whether or not that trickles down to the other witnesses, the. Look, Democrats are trying to, to, to balance a couple things here. Speed. I mean, they want to. Get, if this drags on, it doesn't work for them. It's not good if it drags on over months and months and months. People might think that that's a good thing, but people get fatigued very, very quickly of this. Remember that Bill Clinton, when he was impeached, it had an incredible effect on him. His poll numbers went through the roof. He, he came out better than he went in, I mean, by, by a lot. But of course, uh, Nixon, Clinton, second term. 
right? So this is a different right. ball. This is a different ball game. I mean, you got an election coming up, and everyone is thinking about how this plays. I'm not offended by it because I think more people should be impeached. I think the the goals of impeachment should be lower. I think we should we should impeach more people in the same way that in Europe you have no confidence votes against prime ministers and hung parliaments uh, and people call elections. Leaving. Let, let me accept yeah. arguendo that we should impeach more people, which I I, I don't agree with you, but. Yeah. I, even within your low standard of impeachment, yes. could you justify impeaching a president for the fact that he's he's um, claiming executive privilege and it should be tested in the court? Yeah, I wouldn't have. I mean, those that, articles that of impeachment. That doesn't even meet your standard. No, no. no. It's, uh, those articles of impeachment, I mean, you had Jonathan Turley up there, the lawyer, um, who's not a right winger, no. saying that this is not, these are not impeachable crimes. I mean, the thing He about, said Congress was abusing power uh, by doing exactly. it. Exactly. I think he's right. And, and, and it, like I, I'm sort of more pro impeachment than, than you are, but I would say that like I was shocked, and Trump was shocked too. That's when he went out that day and said, "This is impeachment light." The best thing about this is that NPR is just like I listen to it every morning, and I get these, I get like fucking aneurysms. I like screaming and yelling, and they they came back from this clip when he's like, "It's impeachment light." They, of course, because it's Trump, they're like, you know, there's no such thing as impeachment light. It's like, no, he's fucking making a joke. <laughs> like, you right, watch, right, I've been right, at so many right, Trump rallies, right, and yeah. he's just like, he's like a, not a, he's like a, not a half bad comedian. Do like, they do that straight face? Like, they, yeah. they actually Totally think- straight face. Always. They, they always. they always take the stuff that he says at rallies, which is, like, completely absurd and usually kind of funny. And yeah. they, they report it straight. And perfectly well understood by the rubes. Yes. Uh, but can't be understood yeah, by I mean, the geniuses like, in no, I mean, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's laughing at this. Like, the Trump rallies are pretty interesting places to go. And, like, I, I was on the show, the impeachment thing, I had Judy Gold on. And Judy, who's about as lefty as they come, you know, shouting and Not screaming. on Israel she's not, but go ahead. I, no, she's great on Israel. Yeah. But she, she's screaming. And, and, and I said to her, um, she's with Olivia Nuzzi from New York Magazine. And, and Olivia said to her, you should come to a Trump rally with me. And she was like, no, nah, that's crazy. And I was like, you know what? That'd be a great thing to shoot with you. Yeah, right. You going to a Trump rally awesome. and actually trying to have communications with these people and actually trying to see where these people are coming from. Because when you talk to them about impeachment, they have, I mean, you're, I think, making a more nuanced argument than the average kind of Sean Hannity viewer is making. Because they just take this as a totally political thing. The Trump, they said this the day after, which is true. And I, I interviewed Rashida Tlaib a couple, like a month ago. It's Tlaib, isn't it? it, it uh, yeah, I don't know. I, nobody, I've never heard anybody say it. Anyway, I don't want to Yeah, I, don't, I think I say Tlaib. I don't know if that's Everybody wrong. says Tlaib. Is it, is it but something? But it's spelled T-L-A-I-B. Tlaib. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 Tlaib. <laughs> um, and she said, let's impeach the motherfucker. Like, well, she got an office. Of course they're trying to do this. Yeah. Of course they've been trying. But that's the game. That's the way it goes. Republicans were trying to do that against Bill Clinton in the 90s. They got enough steam to get a very, very shaky artist of impeachment, and 70% of the Americans didn't support it when it went through in 98. To what so, degree, uh, okay, to what this, degree wait, wait. does the left believe that, this, that the martyr variable, the martyr optic, is going to be an enormous liability moving forward? Yeah. I mean, that... that, that I don't think they're thinking about it, and I think it's pretty astonishing. Because I, How can I you think not be thinking about it if you're in a competitive the, election? <laughs> well, can, can I, can there's I expand a, There's a real because, bubble right. thing here that when I talk to people who are like sort of foaming at the mouth about impeachment, right. is that they don't realize that there are people outside of their universe, and that this, like, well, Trump says this, Trump says this, like, nobody cares. Right. Like, I talked to a guy, I was at um, Rexnord's factory, and, the, and Trump said, I'm going to uh, prevent it from shipping your jobs to Mexico. He didn't do that, because he can't do that. But I was with these guys in the union hall, and the guy said to me, this random guy says, like, you know what? See, the problem with you people are, because like, it's you know, we're all the same media. And he's like, grabbing by the pussy is like, not weird to us. Like, we, 
We literally have no idea what you're talking about. It's not weird to Dove either. <laughs> no, he, he said to me when I walked in, I didn't even met, met him yet. But he, like, they're just like, we don't know what you're talking about. And there's such a disconnect right, from right. how this lands with people. And I've been out on the road a couple of times talking to people right. about this. And to everyone, it lands in, in one way. They're out to get him. Right. It's proving the narrative that he started in 2015 is the media's out to get him. And look, you listen to NPR in the morning, people aren't listening, but they do, and their thumb's pretty pretty heavily on the scale. Oh, yeah. Which He's losing a lot of voters on NPR. So I purposely started with the second one because I figured we'd all agree that there's, it's really, you, it's can't, not, you can't even yeah, defend it. It's not. The, sec the first one is, is uh, abuse of power, which is very interesting to me because, first of all, I, I, I give little, very little... Um, Credit to the idea that abuse of power is legitimate um, grounds for impeachment. I, I know that people like Charles Black, who wrote this famous book on impeachment, and Neil Kachal have uh, made these analogies. So I think Neil Kachal's analogy was, what if uh, the president wanted to nuke Canada because he hated hockey? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess that would be an abuse yeah. of power impeachable. Yeah. But then they reached, once getting there, they reached down to the most trivial examples. And then... Um, Charles Black actually said in his book that, yes, you can impeach for a non-criminal reason. However, the further you get away from an actual crime, the less sure you are that it's not just a partisan exercise. And yeah. here we are at, at the, the lowest threshold. And let me just say a few other things. So yeah, and sure. I think that they shot themselves in the foot because they were talking about bribery for two months. They, yeah. they primed us for a crime. Now they've dropped it as if we're not going to notice. Well, it's, it's, you know why? It was because Latin wasn't reading, honestly. Because quid pro quo didn't make sense to people, so they changed it to bribery. Right, but now they've, yeah. now they've given up bribery. Yeah. And so it, it kind of, to the average person, well, you told us he committed a crime, and now you just dropped it. I guess the only reason you would do that is because he didn't commit a crime. I, that was what was shocking and gave Trump that impeachment light speech because everybody in the Republican caucus was expecting this. Every Republican I talked to in D.C. was expecting the bribery thing to be front and center. Because look at, I mean, you know, you know there are people like uh, Andrew Napolitano, Judge Napolitano, you know, a libertarian guy who's on Fox News and says this meets the standard of bribery. So yeah. you can, even from a conservative side, make the case for bribery. Why they didn't do it uh, is, you know, the subject of a lot of speculation. I don't want to to be one of those people because it's boring, but I mean, they didn't do it and that was actually the only thing that actually resonated with the American people too. You know, uh, I mean, the, 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 the Congress stuff is just absurd. I mean, yeah. th like that, that hits nobody anywhere. That's not, there's no erogenous zone being activated by, you know, being a dick to Congress. I mean, that's what everybody does all the time. But you know, uh, the, the sort of corruption charge is what you've gotten from day one. And from day one to now, Look, they did, the hearings didn't work very well for Republicans, but they didn't work great for Democrats either. It's just a wash for everybody at the end. Tell me what I'm missing here. All Trump has to do is is play one of these videos of Shokin or Lutsenko or the, all these all these Ukrainian prosecutors who are saying, I don't, it, it's weird. I mean, we're told that it's debunked, but you can see these interviews online where they're saying, no, we were given a list of people that we weren't allowed to touch, and we were told not to mess with Burisma because Hunter Biden and the vice president would yeah, like Yeah, I would it. say that one's kind of complicated. 
because uh, Vic, Victor Shokin's like a bit of a scumbag. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. All he, all he has to do is show that and say, this was reasonable for me to look into. Yeah. You're going to impeach me for looking into that? Oh, I don't think there's a, a, a moment where Donald Trump thought anything about corruption in Ukraine in a sort of generic way. Right, we have that, no evidence. But that was my first point. I'm yeah. saying you, there's no argument that doesn't eventually come to, oh, sure. come on, it's Trump. You know, yeah, well, you, know no, you can't I mean, trust I mean, him. Like, the, the, but if I, was, if I was, if I was the, the, uh, running the trial, I'd ask for a change of venue because normally when the, when the jury is polluted as you are and yeah. I am yeah. by, with our preconceived notions of him, then it doesn't matter what facts you throw at us. You expect me to believe That's that what Mitch Donald McConnell Trump, said today or yesterday. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's a political trial and, and I'm not an impartial witness. I, the I, venue would juror. need to be in Siberia, but, by the yeah, way, because the, everybody's been polluted. But the key is this. Be? The 50% the of the country that elected Trump, they believe this is in the national interest to look into this. They yeah. believe that, and they're the ones who get to decide. They voted for him. Yeah. So we can roll our eyes all I want, all we want, but we're going to remove a president because even though he's giving us a reason that is legit, legitimate on its face we just don't trust the dude yeah. anymore that's not proof enough to no it's not I, I mean look i think that they were a little um over their skis in this one when when you know they, they it's true they have been looking for something i don't i think this is kind of borderline and i just don't think they made the case i think that in the kind of heart of hearts way i think i know exactly what the guy was doing and he's uh, probably doing both yeah i, I mean he, he might be i mean you, you can never know with him right You're allowed to do both opportunistic and, is not illegal and you know but the 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 political opponent stuff is unprecedented and um you know what level of legality does that hit to, to room for office i mean my my argument here is that just wait just wait long enough with Trump. He's going to step in something else. And make sure it's something that you can get him on and get Republicans on. Because the, the, the thing about the Nixon impeachment, it was the day that Barry Goldwater decided to walk over to the White House from Congress and say, it's over. You know, it was that moment because they said, we can't defend this anymore. Your party's going to defend you until it's indefensible. So why bring these charges when, when the Republicans control the Senate? Because you know that they're going to rally their troops behind but them. I have an it answer. It doesn't even come close to, to, to that, to that uh, sort of standard. I have an answer, and, and, and I think this sounds corny. So often, doing the right thing is really the right thing to do. If I were the, if I were the Democrats, I would say... Let's wait. Let's take these witnesses to court. Let's get John Bolton up there. Let's get um, Mick Mulvaney up there. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care if it happens a, a month before the election. And let's prove, if we can, that they actually did it. And if we can really show the American people that they actually did it, then they'll vote him out, we, even if we don't get a chance to remove him. Yeah, but, and I and, think that would happen, by and the way. Then, and then we'll go down in history <laughs> yeah. as actually what it was. Instead of what we're doing now, is like, we, we, we got to go with the clock. It's almost 6 o'clock. we got to get out of here. I don't yeah. think we don't need America, the witnesses. We don't, don't need proof. We just want the vote. Yeah. And the people it, that it rings hollow because it is hollow. Interested in that. I don't think they would vote him out. I think, no, I mean, I'm outside saying, of... I'm saying, but they could, they could wait and get John Bolton in there, who seems to be telegraphing, I have some dirt. Yes, a lot, yeah. Get him on record. Let's yeah. actually get the facts out. And that you think would, people would that care? That would be good for the country. Yeah, I think it swing, might be good swing for the voters. He, listen, Trump won by 70,000 votes. I think people enough votes would care that it would be much better for the Democrats' prospects of winning and than the way they're doing it the now. Senate yeah. into and responding if it turns out Bolton says he didn't do anything wrong, then good. Yeah. Then we know he didn't do anything wrong, and then and then let the chips fall where they are. Even though the Senate wouldn't go along with the with Congress in the first place, I'm saying that to try to impeach him when everybody knows that. No, it's that, a particularly a bad time now. But I, I'm questioning whether or not it would be. I mean, outside of something. You know, if you have pictures of him with blood on his hand, I mean, outside of something that is so uh, un undeniable in a material sense, 
how could you get Congress to go along, and how many people that voted for him really? Uh, no, I'm saying I don't know. I don't know if the Senate would ever actually do the right thing, but I think the American people would do the right thing right, if right, they right. felt this was good faith. Yeah, if they did, and I mean, yeah. look, also important to blame Trump for 90% of this. And the way that you blame Trump for 90% of this is that when you play the type of political game that Donald Trump is playing, it's like, oh, this is unique. No one's ever done this before. All the decorum is out the window. It's like, yeah, yeah, but with that comes a bunch of other stuff. And what it comes with is when you start, when you punch as hard as he does and you punch below the belt, like for, one of the first things he did when he came in, into office was go in the in the sort of atrium at the CIA and insult the intelligence community. And it's like, <laughs> by the way, you know who's going to yeah. be, don't piss those guys off. Right. It's like, don't piss the bouncer off. He's going right. to let you, I mean, you should be strategic right. about who you're pissing off. And he's just a machine gun. And in that, in that way, I mean, Bolton is a good example of that. He talked shit about Bolton the second he left. And the, the, Trump is so outrageously and almost aggressively stupid on the particulars. He saw Bolton all the time on Fox News. He didn't realize that Bolton was like essentially a neoconservative. I mean, he's, you know, not exactly, but he's more oh, or less. Yeah, he's, he a, he's an interventionist, right? And Trump isn't. He's like, well, he's on Fox. The same thing when he hired and quickly fired KT McFarlane. He just sees people on TV and he hires them, and then he fires them and tells says they're assholes. And then they're like, <laughs> oh my god, I have all this stuff on it's you. So funny. It's How like did he, he gets to be president. He's it's the world's amazing. greatest con man he's ever. So he's the greatest con man in history. But of the world. isn't it amazing because he's such a shitty con man? Like he, we're, but we're so credulous. Uh, you, can't, and you can't argue with the results. Yeah, he's no, exactly. He's like a, but he's a bad yeah. con man because everyone was talking about how they were being conned all the time. Well, he, he's also fortunate that he came along at a time when really, I'm sure this reverberated with you, people were so sick of the left and PC culture yeah, and all this stuff. the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? And, and like, he was he was saying just the right things. He was tickling people's uh, whatever it is. Because, but, and he was also sounding yeah. like a leftist too because, I mean, the number of people that I met there were union guys in particular that had in the union hall pictures of Bernie Sanders. And then Bernie, as they all told me, Hillary Clinton stole the primary. And then they voted for Donald Trump because she was free. She was a free trader. She called TPP the gold standard of trade. And, you know, the next thing you know, they're, they're saying, well, Trump's talking about getting our jobs back. He's talking about people taking our jobs. He's talking about sort of health care stuff. I mean, the first bill, the first draft of the Republican health care bill came back and he said it's mean. It's, like, it's too mean. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? who is this guy? So, so let me just be clear here. Do you agree with me that based on the accusations presented in the two articles of impeachment, yes. they have not made the case. At the end of the hearings, I was like, you could make a case to get this guy removed if you had everybody voting as an impartial juror, not as a political thing. Not the, the hearings, but, but, based but, on what they presented. Based on what they presented, that changed the calculation quite a bit. I was, I, was, um, I was shocked by how wobbly it was and how weak it was. I mean, you don't go through this amount of time, call that many witnesses and all the behind-the-scenes machinations, and come up with something that kind of flimsy. See, Trump is stupid, but he wouldn't be stupid enough to have done that. Like, no, I mean, he's, he does stuff that's like miraculously stupid. What are they thinking in Congress? I, I don't, I mean, look, there, there has been such, I mean, when I, was, when I was at the California Democratic Convention this summer, yeah. there was a caucus of people there booing Nancy Pelosi, lustily booing her the whole time. She couldn't even get a word out. And I first thought it was about, was about, um, uh, Medicare for all kind of stuff, but it was because she was she was saying let's hold our horses on impeachment. She was actually being fairly reasonable about this stuff. She's saying hold hold your horses. They're braying this braying mob because the problem with fucking Democrats these days is they they, they believe that the left flank of their party is the party now because they're like oh Bernie Sanders does well in the primary, but it's a primary. 
the people in the most extreme on the right and the left. Is always that the same as it was in England? Is that the same? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's there's an enormous wake up call with the the Corbynistas that you know, Labour voters. I mean, there were, there were places in England that voted for Labour for 80 years because there were coal pits there that were being closed down by Margaret Thatcher and are now voting Conservative. It's it's that bad. It's gotten that bad. And the, the anti-Semitism thing is interesting because it only was the first time it was resonating with people in the chattering classes in London because, you know, not a lot of Jews work in the coal pits. Yeah. Just, it's just true. <laughs> we own some of the coal pits. Yeah, right yeah, but yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a joke Trump, Trump would make and get in trouble for it. <laughs> Uh, so where are we? So well, I want to say agree. I want to say one thing, but I want you to finish about this. impeachment. Well, no, I, by the way, and, no, and, and, and not I th- about impeachment. I think that and the Hunter Biden thing. I mean, my God, this is as dirty as it can get, right? Oh my God! It, and so it's very difficult to say. You know, how could you look into such a thing that happened? in the previous administration that was even brought up within the previous administration and they were told not to talk about it and the prosecutors on TV saying that he was ordered by Biden and then you had the nerve to say I want you to talk to my attorney general about this yeah we're going to remove you from office for that but what it's, is, it's, but, it's not I mean, plausible but what a shitty retail politician Trump is when you're doing that and, and putting us on the line for Biden it's like honestly, if you want to like fuck over Biden, just put a microphone in front of him. The guy like like just like drools through things. Like we gotta kill him with this Barisma stuff. It's like that's too confusing for people. His son's a crook. Yeah, 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 yeah okay, we we know that. But by the way, everything his son did was legal, but it's 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 but, unseemly. But I think you're gonna agree with it. But what happens is when we have these conversations, very quickly the the we forget to draw the line between outrageous actions of a president that we hate yeah. and impeachable offenses. Oh yeah, you're talking about shit that that makes you furious and he's an asshole and all this stuff nullifying the election i don't buy the thing it's not nullifying because pence takes over i don't think trump voters uh would agree with that either the vice president is chosen it's they didn't vote for the vice president the impeach pence movement starts that day too yeah but but when it clearly trump does not stand for what pence stands for and people voted for trump and people who, if Trump is, is taken out of office, people are not going to say, well, it's, it's okay, it's Pence, I, I wasn't harmed. No, no, they're, they're kind of different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pence is the one that can't be alone in a room with a woman. Well, <laughs> with a, Trump prefers <laughs> that. Yeah. So I, I think this is an exceedingly weak case. And yet, the, the, the smart, I see the smartest people in the world just on TV essentially telling me I'm a total idiot but for I thinking think that, this But I think what you're saying, though, is that I would agree with that you can make the case and you could build a case, and that would require getting witnesses like Bolton and getting Mick Mulvaney to say what he said in a press conference and, you know, when he was sworn. Maybe, yeah. And you could make that case. I, just, I agree with you, though, that, that Congress didn't make that case when they put forward these articles of impeachment. And I think that in some sense they realize that Americans don't even know what the articles of impeachment are. They don't know what, how, how they're enumerated. They don't care. It's just it, you either think that they did their job right on Democrats for actually bringing this guy to the book, or you're a Republican and you say, see, proves our theory. The guy's been, they go after him and they go after him and they go after him. Accuse him of bribery. It's the only impeachment that ever didn't accuse the president of a crime. Yeah, yeah but abuse of power, but that was always like a, a, an add-on, abuse of power. Yeah. The, the meat of Nixon, the meat of Clinton, these were crimes. But the thing is about both Nixon and Clinton, people misremember both of them. I mean, the, the Clinton impeachment was not about sex. Sex was what kicked off the whole thing, but it was not about, there was no sexual charge. It was about perjury. It, it, it was about perjury, and it was about, uh, in particular, trying to witness tamper and get Vernon Jordan to get Monica Lewinsky a job at Revlon, et cetera. And in the Nixon case, people, if you ask the average person, I was in D.C. Uh, last week, and I had drinks with the two cops that uh, made the Watergate arrests. That's awesome. Uh, it, it, they were insane people, but it was fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, 
as I was talking to them, they're like, they, they said everybody who comes and ever says, oh, you guys did, you guys are the Nixon cops. They all think Nixon ordered the the Watergate uh, break-in. Yeah. And it's very, very clear he didn't know anything about it. So what we remember about impeachments is often how we spin it, not... I mean, this is the case in most everything, but impeachments, I don't think anyone remembers why Clinton was impeached beyond blowjobs and Mark Lewinsky or Nixon beyond um, uh, those guys breaking the Watergate. It was not the fact that he was paying them to hush it up afterwards. But what oh, is and all he's sticking the this... FBI on people. And, oh, okay. No, I just said, for, for somebody who's more of a layman, I'm not a political animal. And so if I'm in the audience listening, I, I'm just curious what all of this says on a more macro level about our culture and the level of division and whether or not the division is significantly worse than it was, and if that's the case, why is it so divided in a way that it hasn't been in other administrations? I mean, the poll that I saw today, um, and you know, these are all, but they're all within a point, so I mean, they mean something. The one I saw today was actually 50-50. It was a 50-50 wow. on, on impeachment, and it's like, is there any greater right. sort of illustration of where we of are right now? Yeah, but what, where we are, 50, 50, it was like... Yeah. 60-40 against before he was even accused of any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah of course. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but the, the, I think that the, the polarization thing, I didn't believe it for a while. Yeah. I just for, for a long time thought, well, now we have Twitter and now we have the internet and, you know, we have polarized news networks that we yeah. didn't have before. But I think those are actually kind of the engine. And, you know, the 1960s, whether it's a good or bad thing, I don't... Meaning the symptom? Yeah, well, look, I think that I don't even necessarily think that this is a, a, a bad thing. But the 1960s, early 60s, you know, you had, you know, the Fairness Doctrine, which meant that if you had a right-wing guy on your radio station, by law, you had to have a left-wing guy, too. On broadcast. On broadcast, yeah. yeah. And you didn't have cable, right? And you didn't have directly partisan news outlets that were 24-hour right. things. So that changed right. everything, right? right? And then, you know, the rise of, if there was no Rush Limbaugh hitting in about 90, 91, 92, in the yeah. book that he published with Regan, Regan Books, uh, The Way Things Ought to Be, it was called, the, you wouldn't have had the Clinton stuff. That right. wouldn't have happened. The talk radio was the real fuel of that. Right. And people say that uh, in a pejorative way. It's like, well, no, I mean, there's some utility to it. And yeah. people didn't, you know, no, they weren't not political prior right. to this happening. But if you wanted to get the kind of loony political views of the fringe ones, you had to subscribe to newsletters. There's right. like literally like right. Ron Paul got in trouble for being an anti-Semite and just being a general fucking crank. And it was because he had a newsletter called the Ron Paul Survival Report. Right, it's right. Like a memory. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It was like Ron, Ron Paul's Survival Report. <laughs> right. It's like, I know my audience. They're guys like in camouflage who like weigh like 300 pounds. You know, it's and like so that's the what they're convergence like. using the convergence of All that narrative, now. talk radio, yeah. and social media yes. and contemporary, the way I, people are. The, the second I walk into my office and I talk to somebody, I know where they got the argument that they're making right, about right, right, impeachment right, that day. Right. It's like, oh my, you guys, so right. Rachel Maddow was talking at you last night directly to you. So things have gotten cumulative, cumulatively more div divided. Yeah. Uh, and and the outcome of that will be, uh, are you optimistic? I, I mean, are we headed in a direction where you feel like that cumulative experience, yeah. where's the natural extension? Where, where does yeah. it end? I don't think it does end. And I don't, I'm, not so, I'm not so sure that I lament the fact that it doesn't end either. Right. Because there is this idea out there that we can purify things, that we can actually get rid of the bad stuff. Like, I mean, the total idiocy of this campaign against poor Mark Zuckerberg, who is like an idiot for all the reasons that people say he's good for. And like, but they like attack him for this stuff. It's like, oh my God, you're, you're disseminating all this fake news. Give me some numbers on this, because it's not true. Yeah. I mean, that stuff like circulates there, 
But by the way, what do you think is the problem of the, the, the actual portal itself or the people who are reading it and saying, that's got to be true? I know that's true. I'm just gonna I'm gonna read the first line. There's all these studies that say that people on Facebook never and read it's beyond the first like inseparable experience. Can, it, it's we're we're learning something about, my about the human brain. Well, I heard from yeah. a, like third hand that there was some something went on with Mark Zuckerberg where they asked him like, uh, you know, what if the Nazis had had this tool? Yeah. And and my first thought was, if only they had had Facebook in, yes. in the 40s, right, then right, Hitler would have right. never gotten where yes. he got. Right. This is it's exactly exactly the point that nobody made, and it pissed me off because everyone said, you know what, how dangerous this is. This is Facebook and fucking Twitter are tools of freedom in That's places. Right. In Iran, it's a tool of freedom. Right. Just because some idiot like housewife like retweets something that is demonstrably false that might have been cooked up by some like kid named Yasha in a place in St. Petersburg doesn't mean that this is a bad tool. People use good tools in bad ways. And why are we focusing on the bad tool, the bad ways? Because we don't like the guy who's benefiting right. from some of it. Not yeah. all of it, but some of it. Hitler right. managed to get his message out, you know. And no, by I the way, was, wouldn't the devil's advocate position yeah. be that because of, I think it's the mimesis, the, no, you know mimesis? It's sort of the mimetic nature of the human animal. We adopt a story When you show off, I tune out, dog. No, 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 I just looked it up. I heard somebody else using the term, which yeah. is when the human animal sort of adopts an idea and that idea goes viral and cumulatively that idea then becomes a new narrative for all of these yeah. people that didn't previously hold that yeah. that narrative. And if that's the case, then Twitter and Facebook and all of these social media outlets can be as bad as they can be good. As, it's totally arbitrary. As a comic and as somebody who owns a comedy song, yeah. the first thing in this, this is actually something relative to this, but like yeah. the first thing that you should you, you know, make you sweat a little bit right. is when people are trying to find solutions to this. Right? right? These bad ideas are getting out there. They try to find solutions. And the next thing you know, they start clamping down on speech in all these yeah, ways. Right, right. And it's like, oh, everyone's like, oh, you know this guy in Scotland who made his dog, pug dog, do the Hitler salute? Uh, yeah. Um, Count Dankula was his name. <laughs> yeah. He's like a guy making memes in Scotland. And then right. he's like gauges in his ears. And, and everyone's like pointing at him like, oh, this guy's an idiot. And he probably hangs out with the all right. He's like, I don't give a shit who he hangs out with. Right. But the point of free speech, the idea of free speech is yeah. not for my speech. It's not for your speech. It's for bad people's speech. Right. It's for crazy people's right, speech. Right. Our speech doesn't need to be protected. Right. Which and is so the opposite of what identity politics does to people. Precisely. And, like, and so when you have these people yeah. out there that say, Facebook, oh, man, they're really just disseminating this stuff. Right. We have to do something about it. Get scared. Because you know what they do? In yeah, Europe, yeah. they have done things about it, right? And so there's – in Europe, like, Angela Merkel had a conversation with Mark Zuckerberg about the stuff that is being disseminated on on um, Facebook in Germany, and it's 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 sort of neo-Nazi stuff. And right. of course, what the, what the Germans do is they ban Mein Kampf, utterly right. idiotic right. thing, particularly now when you can just get it on the internet. Right. But why ban a turgid, idiotic book of? 1300 pages which you know half of which are about boxing and syphilis nobody cares about this stuff no one's going to read this stuff and they're not their minds are going to be changed right and you shouldn't be afraid that they're going to be so the problem all over is like remember in in the 1920s there were hate speech laws in germany right and they were used against nazis there's a guy named the head of the berlin police named bernhard weiss and he used uh, hate speech against Goebbels was uh, the guy that ran the, the, the area of Berlin. There was area leaders. He was Hitler's Liz. Yeah. He's <laughs> my GM. Hitler's Liz. But in, in he had, a, he had a, play, a, a newspaper called yeah. The Attack to Angriff, right. and they kept suing them for hate speech. Yeah. And what happened was they came to power and Bernhard Weiss disappeared. E even yeah. in this recent chapter, 
I mean, do you know how many fact-checking sites were just blasting the Nunes memo and and just I mean, and and just belittling everything about this FBI story? Yeah. You could imagine that would have been something which was called. Uh, fake news and and Facebook censoring it. Man, you're getting you're getting that you're really Trump side, aren't you? You're <laughs> you're, you're like, you agree with me? You're no. like Nick DiPaolo all well, of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Where are you on that on the um, FBI thing? Oh, it's a, it's it's outrageous. I now, mean, were you surprised? Uh, yes. Why were you surprised? I, 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 I'm surprised that I, I was surprised, surprised. but I uh, did a contrition tour. When I did the show last night, and I was like, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I know I was way too trusting of the FBI on this for this Carter Page stuff. I was sure all yeah. along, and I never believed in the deep state, right? I, this The analogy I made, the listeners are probably tired of it. I said that <laughs> it's like the tipping, ticking time bomb torture scenario. Yeah. Everybody knows torture is wrong, but if obviously if there's a nuclear bomb about to go off in Times Square, you're going to torture. If you think that Putin has taken over the presidency of the United States... Yeah. The rule book is not sufficient to deal with that. So, of course, you're going to bend the rules. I mean, the people who Period. think that are just embarrassing. I mean, look, it's what happened when the Mueller report came out. Speaking of media, Rachel Maddow lost a million viewers. Something of that. It was, she was doing like three million a night and down to two because she was peddling a narrative that Carter Page was a mass. I mean, Carter Page is like the dopiest guy I've ever communicated with in my life. And I feel bad for the guy, but he, he's nobody's mastermind. He couldn't mastermind anything. None of it was plausible. And none of it was plausible, but there is a certain John le Carre kind of like spy. People got into it. It's, why, it's the reason people like conspiracy theories. They like there to be something more, and it explains it now. It's not because America's a bad place. It's because Russia has been manipulating us in doing this, and that's why we've... I mean... The, the, the number of ads that Russia took out, this kind of thing, the number of clicks they got, it's infinitesimal. That's Nobody nothing. ever asks about this stuff, but they like the narrative. So, and I, the other analogy I made is that um, usually when cops plant evidence on somebody, they plant it on somebody they think is guilty. Yeah. And and I, I think that this Steele dossier infected everybody. If you know anything about co confirmation bias, it, it's, it's, it's yeah. insidious. As soon as they read all this stuff, every time Trump said anything, anytime my friend, every time put Russian dressing, anything that, aha, it, it sounds yeah. true. You can see Comey was going through this. So, so the, the, the bias wasn't that they hate Republicans. The bias was that they thought this was really a dangerous situation. The problem with bias in the, in the planting evidence situation is that it's too easy to believe that the black guy did it. That's where they go wrong. Yeah. It was too easy to believe that, that Trump did this. Yeah. And they got carried away. But it was clear to me. I mean, I said it for, I said it for two years. It's clear to me the FBI was, was uh, um, bending the rules. And say one more thing. We had David Frum on the show. David's an old friend of mine. And, very well, yeah. And I said to him, there's no way that the Mueller report is going to come back with anything. And he said, why? And I said, you tell me if I'm getting it wrong, Periel. I said, because if Mueller had evidence that Trump was compromised by Putin, he would have to come forward immediately. He can't have Trump out there talking about pulling out of NATO. He knows that it's because Putin is telling him to pull out of NATO, and he's going to wait a year and a half to... to yeah. and, and Frum said, no, no, I think Mueller would wait. And I, and I said, I, I was speechless. Remember that? I was like, well, this is, this is Trump derangement syndrome. Of course Mueller wouldn't wait. I, 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 I love David. He's gone very far in the other direction. I think that David is also, not to psychoanalyze him, but he got a lot of shit for, for Iraq. And, you know, he was the one who wrote the Axis of Evil speech. Yeah. And he's been running away from that for a while. And Trump gave him the opportunity to run pretty far from Republicans. And I think he's run too far. But the problem with all this stuff 
is they overplay their hand always. Always. And it's like there is there. Yes, Russia was meddling in, in the election. No, Russia did not succeed in, in, in changing anything. There's no proof of that. And by the way, they've been doing that since the, you know, Cheka formed in 1917. This is something we do. This is something they do. It's not something that the, the intelligence services were unaware of. Did they spy on the Trump campaign? Did the FBI? I don't think so, no. Define, spy, uh, well, that's it. There's define a definitional spy? thing. I mean, do, do, spying on a day-to-day... -day <laughs> do they listen in on them yeah. with electronic devices? Well, they did, they did when they got uh, uh, bullshit rubber stamp FISA warrants, yeah, but the thing spying. is 99%, it's illegal spying, right? So they go through the FISA court, and the one thing you know is that Republicans are themselves responsible for this because the FISA court was rubber stamping everything. It was a 99% rate, and the rubber, our argument was during the Bush years. Well, no, 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 we filter out the bad stuff before it gets to the FISA court. But they were rubber stamping any, everything. And when you want to give somebody a hard time, the, the Republicans provided and in, in, in allowed for this, this incredible mechanism Wait. for you to legalize uh, some pretty dodgy behavior by getting a FISA warrant I'm for basically everything. If the FBI had my waitresses wired up yeah. and was listening to something and came in and talking about something and they had, and then they told me, no, we didn't spy on you. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't even know what, like... I, look, I think they're, they're saying... They're by saying, what definition of spying did you yeah, not spy well, on me? I mean, they're, they're saying it's an investigation. Spying is something a little pejorative, a little more sinister. Pejorative, like you did it illegally without yeah. holding... holding ooh, ooh, yeah. Hiding the fact that uh, he was actually... His contacts were known to the CIA, and you presented him to the court as if you had no idea. I mean, to the broader <laughs> point, though, I think that you're right in the sense that, like, the, the IG report is being massively underplayed because the civil liberties violations that we saw in the Bush years were... I don't think massively overplayed, they were correctly played. And now this one is being wildly underplayed. And look, I mean, uh, Trump, when he does that rally in Hershey, Pennsylvania the other day, is shooting himself in the foot because he's doing the, the page struck thing. And that is immaterial. It's, it's awesome not, you think that he can still shoot himself in the foot. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> very optimistic. I was it's all baked hoping in. he would, yeah, yeah nobody gives a shit. No, do. no. That's like, that's like, it's, it's not, this is like a, an advantage, not a flaw. Yeah, he's, uh, all right, what, what, else, what else is a hot topic? You had some stuff you want to talk about. Well, I just wanted to read this briefly. Okay. From January through June 2019, New York City had <laughs> a record low 135 homicides, down 13.5%. Yeah. That's this year? Yeah. Now look up the number for 1993, which I think was 2,000-something <laughs> homicides in a year. But this city is a fucking disaster. D d so you make a, you're making an argument against yourself. Well, I was just reading the facts. <laughs> she does that all the time. I was right. reading the facts. And yeah. I hate facts. Yeah. No, but, but <laughs> no, you, yeah, your experience is your experience. The city of thank you, awesome. the That's city. right. I mean, thank statistically, you. you're less likely to be killed, but you could still feel like a shitty. Look, you're not going to get beat up as much as you were in the past, but it well, just so it runs I, horribly. I, that I'll, I'll okay. agree. You guys okay, are so nuts. maybe so maybe that so maybe that you uh, want to no, say like that. No, do you ever like take that? the MTA? The subways are fucking homeless shelters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot no, get they a were in the 90s. In the 90s, they were, they were, yeah, they yeah, were no, legitimate exactly homeless shelters. Exactly like they were in the 90s. I mean, at least they were yeah, operating on time when you got fucking stabbed in the 90s. Now it's just like, I wait forever. And there's a great piece in the, in the Times about how much these guys make. And the union is like, why is it getting worse and the fare going up? I mean, this is a bit insular in New York, but... 
It's because these guys, like the guys that drive the trains make like $180,000 a year. It's well, insane. And they're able to tap into overtime in a way that they, that, yeah. that they claim is fraudulent, but yeah. they're at least part If of you're it. making the case that the subway has gotten worse, then then I have no comment. Well, uh, you know. also, no when was the last <laughs> time you were on the subway? But the, I, I, don't, I went one time in the last 20 years. But the, Are I, you I went one time. I like the I, verb. I, I went one time. Somebody advised me, I went to yeah. the, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Somebody advised me to take the subway to be quicker. <laughs> I would have happily taken three times longer in <laughs> But anyway, but uh, yeah, well, that's but other what than I'm that, saying. if I were to snap my finger and actually literally, like, you know, uh, the ghost of Christmas past, you walked outside into New York in the 90s, yeah. I'm telling you, it would be horrible. I was like, here. No, no, but, you, but your memory is distorted. I'm okay, I'm okay with the way you frame it. I really can't fucking stand it when these people... I wrote a column about this for the Daily Beast a long time about fake New York nostalgia. It's always like some kid from Nebraska who's like, you know what, I really hate the Disneyfication of New York. And it's like, what, you like the rape and the murder? That yeah, was like, yeah. that was authentic, cool New York. And there's, there is that narrative. I have narrative. not seen the subways like this since I was a kid. There are like three homeless people. Yeah, but I'll talk about the subway, sure. All right, well... But let's not talk about New York as, as a, you know... It's safer, just acknowledge that. Well, I just read that quote like that you read statistic. a quote but you didn't acknowledge well I, I mean, it's a fact <laughs> right it's a material fact thank you Doug for validating I'm here to validate Fox but, News but, unwatchable correct uh, utterly, worse, worse utterly than, unwatchable worse than it wasn't always unwatchable. unwatchable it was always unwatchable no that's the thing I used to I, I used to like it when back when Roger I, Ailes was running it I, I still I knew it was biased it but I found it interesting I don't care if something's biased I don't like fine but it's it is it is like Bottom dwelling, Ugh. like just horrible, dumb. And Tucker like, seems to be losing his mind. I saw Tucker the other day, by the way, and I've known him for a long time. But I was le- getting off a train from DC, and so a friend of my, my, my producer is like, "Oh, Tucker's on the train." I'm like, "Oh, I know Tucker." And so waiting outside. How do you getting, know him? I just know him from DC. He tried to hire me one time, but I, he's a very, very funny guy, very nice guy. And I see him coming up the stairs. I say, "Oh, I'll go say hi." So I'm not paying attention. My producer looks at me like I'm fucking insane. And I lurched towards him, and I put my hand on his shoulder, right? I didn't realize that he had four cops with him, uniformed. And I, I don't wow. know if this was a private thing or if he was paying them. You know, the guy, when they do overtime stuff, they can wear their uniform. And the guy was like, hey, hey, hey. And Tucker looked at me, and he's like, no, 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 it's fine. And I just realized that no matter how crazy your views are, it's kind of insane and terrifying to me that he has to have an armed guard walking around midtown Manhattan. I don't think that that's... Because the city's so dangerous I, now. <laughs> yeah, it's for, for Tuckers. <laughs> for Tuckers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like he's he has abandoned everything he previously believed. Everything. And it's like in line with Trump, Trumpist kind of populism. But he told me once, uh, and I, I was on tape when he said, probably in 2006 or seven, like, I'm a libertarian. My sort of my DNA is libertarian DNA. I disagree with you guys on some things. You're a little too far on, you know, whatever porn, drugs, whatever. But the the, the general trade, free market. I'm gonna. He is now disavowed all of that, all of it. And he's also taking on these uh, um, performative yes. ticks, these the laughing and the voices and the faces. And the look back, yeah. yeah, and the yeah. and the and the kind of the puzzled look, which is. You're contemptuous of some something that somebody's saying. I don't like any of that. It, it, it all bothers me. Yeah, that, I mean, not an intellectual hugely, atmosphere. I mean, the thing about it is to remember is that Tucker was an amazing journalist. Uh, do you remember? And he's uh, supposed to be a good writer too. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, do you remember Carla Faye Tucker? No. Do you remember that name? She was the woman that was put to death in Texas in 1998, 99, and it came back to haunt George Bush during the campaign, George W. Bush. 
And in an interview, he famously said, like, oh, you know, tough shit. You know, he's a religious guy. And he's like, wah, wah, wah. And he makes a kind of crying motion. And that was a piece in George Magazine run by John F. Kennedy Jr. And that was a piece that Tucker wrote. And Tucker almost blew up George W. Bush's campaign because of that incredible bit of reporting. And he was a very, very, very skilled reporter. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't have that kind of shame that I do, like, I, I mean, I could probably make a decent living saying horrible things. I mean, most everybody could. But I don't want to be that person. I always wondered what it was like when Ann Coulter lived in the West Village. She did. I mean, what was it like when she walked out of her house? Well, I, like, I, 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 People hate you. And that's what Tucker's dealing with now. But, but for I, a lot of money. He makes a lot of money. I think he's sincere. He doesn't strike me that he's saying something yeah, he doesn't believe. I, I do, too. Yeah, I, I think, I he think he's a convert to the, the plight of the, of the working class. I mean, I, I'm not Tucker by any means, but I felt disturbed by the fact that, all, that even Krugman is now admitting that NAFTA actually was exactly what Pat Buchanan, of all people, was telling us at the time was being considered. Krugman's actually said that? Yeah, he came up, we were wrong about NAFTA. He wrote a column really? like, like a month ago, or two oh, months ago. Yeah, surprising. Um, uh, that, 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 you know, and that these, that the, it's not the white working class, that the working class was, got the shaft. And, In some ways, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, In other you, ways, they benefited greatly, though. Okay, but but the the Trump voters and I mean something's going on where they're dying younger and I mean there's something going on and it's fair to say okay well capitalism is not working perfectly, but once you allow that that contagion into your mind you can get carried away with it and I think he's getting carried away with it but I I, I, I get where he's coming from. But did you ever think there'd be like a voguish moment for socialism and social democracy at a time when we have more job listings than there are people to fill the jobs. They were at full employment at 3.9%, that the economy is doing reasonably well. Um, now, granted, there's been some stagnation in wage growth, and you know, people aren't getting rich, and the, the, the separation between rich and poor is, is, is growing, which I don't, it doesn't concern me that I, much. It concerns me when the, the poor get poorer, yes. not when the rich get richer. But I have a very open mind to the argument that the kind of jobs that people are doing now are not as people good are underemployed. And, and, are, and are not don't have the same security and don't offer them um, yeah. an old age and yeah, those union lot, jobs lot are gone. Anxi yeah. Anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and I I don't know enough about it. When I hear that accusation, I, I don't just rule that out. That yes, maybe everybody's working now, but maybe so the, the social welfare is not quite as good as it Look, used to be. Look, I grew be. up in a union household. My yeah. dad was in a union. My mom was a secretary. I didn't grow up in any great wealth, and I grew up in understanding what unions were like and the good things they did for us and the bad things. But one of the things that people don't often consider with unions is that the, the, the success of unions was the failure of the working class in so many ways. When you extract so many concessions from people, from, you know, whether it's an auto company and the rest of it, and then all of a sudden, Japan starts producing cars and there's no import tariffs on them, and your cars are a lot more expensive, they're made down the street, but you have to pay the guy 50 bucks an hour when he's on overtime or something, is like you're a victim of your own success. And a lot of those places where those union jobs have gone away and have been replaced by an enormous Amazon factory, which you can get a job, sure, but it's like 20 bucks an hour, and not a terrible wage, but 20 bucks an hour, it used to be 30 bucks an hour, and you don't have those gold-plated benefits and the pension that even the union can barely pay for. So, yeah. like, there's a there's a there's a relationship between those, and that you know sometimes the the, the the union guys those days are over. I mean, so over that it's. I mean, we see that in the not British. For the MTA. Too. Was that? <laughs> not, the, not, not, not the MTA. 
the New MTA. Oh my God! Well, those unions, <laughs> public sector unions, will never go. The away. ones that weren't right. supposed to exist. Yeah, the private sector <laughs> ones right. are go away because there's a little choice in there. We're down at like 10, 12 percent or something. But, but I do agree with one thing: that the, the the solution to the problems that we're having had best be left, for the most part, to the market to figure out. Because if the government comes in and tries to fix it, they will they'll fuck it up, and then they will instantiate us. Like what, if it happens in the year uh, uh, 2020. That will be the reality for the next 50 yeah. years. They have, you know, nothing will move. They, they come in and they, they pour cement on the, the, the time and place that they decide things, and then nothing moves. And we're in a, we're in a, a time of flux and techno technological change and unpredictable technological change. And the beauty of capitalism is it unleashes all that human ingenuity to figure stuff out and alternatives that nobody could ever think of. And that's the only hope, right? The, the government is not going to solve this problem. Yeah, I it's mean, gonna come well, from so says the, 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 the right. I mean, on, no, the, on the left. Among uh, us, the clever people are going to have to yeah, solve no, this that's right. by yeah, taking yeah, actions yeah. in their own self-interest. And they, course, they actually yeah. need more flexibility to do those I kind mean, of the, things. I the, mean, the MTA and the DMV in New York City, I think, create more libertarians than any libertarian party could ever manage to do because you see how government atrophies and how they can't get anything done. I mean, I think that the, the great failure in the U.S. is, of course, healthcare, which is always a big issue and too complicated. Uh, in a lot of ways, but I always thought P.J. O'Rourke's comment was 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 right about this. Was you know, if you think healthcare is expensive now, wait until it's free, because right. that's unfortunately that's the problem. Right. Is it become distorted incentives, and we need some we need some solution to that. But unfortunately, I think that that the panaceas that are being offered by presidential candidates are a little too good to be true. Jim Norton, the comedian, always gives the example, and it, it always stays with me that the government went bankrupt running off-track betting. Yeah, that's like, right. It's like, amazing. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. You can't lose. Literally, lies yeah, to print money, yeah. and they yeah. went bankrupt. Yeah. So, so that's uh, yeah. you better consider that before you want the government involved. But anyway, but yeah, juxtapose I, that yeah. idea with the idea that Ray Dalio, you know Ray Dalio, the hedge fund guy, is, is saying it, who was that? He, Ray Dalio was one of the uh, most um, sort of successful. Uh, he was an early. Um, he created a hedge fund. Time oh, magazine once called him. Yeah, no, no, but he was a big thinker in finance as well. He wasn't okay. just a rich guy. And he was talking about how capitalism in its current iteration, he feels is broken. Um, and that the answer is not not capitalism. The answer is to continue to evolve capitalism. But that's going to get lost in the lack of nuance and, and, and in the, the political, whatever's, the lack of discourse that takes place right I'm, now. I'm really amazed, and I, I mean this, and I don't mean this in like just insulting to, to people who believe this sort of thing. I'm really amazed at how m m the legs that socialism has amongst not only young people, but people that are, you know, I think should know better, that are in their 40s and the rest of it, that believe that the solution to this sort of things, I mean, look, the Democratic Party, if you told me, you're talking about Coleman Hughes, who very bravely went in front of Congress and was fucking maumied by everybody for talking about rec reparations. That was a joke when I was in college. David Horowitz, who's a nutbag, used to come and it was like fucking fighting Peter McNeely after you got out of prison with Mike Tyson. It was a chump fight. He would fight these guys in reparations. People were like, why is this not a real issue? And this year you had not a single Democratic candidate would speak against it. So we've had this, this unbelievable shift, this, this tidal wave, particularly on left-wing politics and how they've, you know, the, the, the Clinton's times, it was an incredible time for the economy, right? Tony Blair's time, the same thing in the UK. And the response to that is, let's burn all that to the ground, get Bernie Sanders, Jeremy Corbyn, Elizabeth Warren, whatever it might be. I am un, I'm amazed at this moment where the DSA 
the Democratic Socialist America have a big and effective party in New York City, probably more effective than, than any Republican party in the city. But is a lot of this just the result of a kind of laziness as it relates to people's the internalizing an idea about socialism without doing any of the work necessary to understand what it is that you've just internalized. I mean, I think it's part of it's the It's the easiest problem. thing in the world. It's, yeah. it's, it's very it's, easy. It's very hard to learn things from books. You know, like my father's generation lived through the Holocaust. Yeah. But nobody's reading books either wait, now. Wait. I, he knew that terrible shit could happen in the world. Yeah. I I grew up I didn't live through the Holocaust obviously but I grew up around people who was still visceral to them so it it, it didn't, now now it's just a black and white movie to people and it's the same thing with anything that you think we'd know better by now mm -hmm. bread lines whatever it is that you socialism the Soviet Union it's just a black and white movie they 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 read it and and they cannot internalize it and they are destined and will always be destined to make making the same mistakes as what Santayana or whatever the yeah the just, and it's it's a very difficult thing to argue against because if you're on the debate stage and somebody says well we should be uh, I'm a social democrat we should be socialist you're more like Sweden I, I mean it's it's a very very hard thing for me to listen to I mean I made my bones as a journalist in Sweden. I lived in Sweden for, for five years. I married a Swedish woman, I have a Swedish daughter. I know a lot about Sweden, and the one thing that every Swede will tell you is that it's a capitalist country with very high taxes. It is a very, very capitalist country, a long time, uh, up until uh, fairly recently, had a far lower corporate tax rate than America did. Far lower. And, they and had many billionaires choice. per I mean, capita. They have a ton, they do a ton of yeah. billionaires. And by the way, and, yeah. and you know, they had school choice and all of these things that Republicans and libertarians and conservatives salivated over for years was actually existing in Sweden. The difference was there was a punishing tax rate. And every time the Social Democrats would, would the economy would, would buckle, they'd vote in people that would liberalize the economy again. So there's all these examples, but these, as to your point, it's hard to explain this shit, yeah. right? When you say to him, like, why shouldn't we get free X, Y, and Z? Free college, free tuition. The bravest Democrats are those ones that are on stage. Are like, are you fucking kidding yeah, yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, no Who's going to pay for this? Yeah, yeah, gonna pay this for is it. insane. Yeah. And, like, I, I give uh, 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 Bill Maher credit because he was the one that asked Bernie that. I was, I was on that episode. I was, I, he was doing the first one. I was on the panel, and he was sitting, you know, they do that first interview, and he gave Bernie a hard time. And he's like... This, yeah, but like I, I, I get it. People like you because you say you're going to give them things. Everybody likes somebody who's going to say they're going to give them something. But who's going to pay for it? That answer is one that nobody is willing to offer because it is incredibly painful. A subsequent question would also need to be asked, which is we got to wrap it up. It, so go ahead. It would, it would, it is an education bubble the most likely extent of that policy? What are the externalities of giving away education in the first place? People are already underemployed relative to being overeducated. So I don't think that would be the answer either, even if they could give away the education. You're a comic and you're using uh, economist terms like yeah, negative, externalities. negative externalities. Yeah, 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 wow, yeah, very yeah. impressive. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm reading basic <laughs> economics. I, yeah. I mean, the unintended consequences of these a newsletter, you know, yeah. an email letter that <laughs> yeah. word of the day. Letter, yeah. the word of the <laughs> it's day, funny the I got his externalities that. today. I got that. No, no, no. I thought that word was so critical because you're talking about the laziness as it relates to sort of adopting socialistic ideas. A lot of it is because you, the, the externality, the unintended consequences of a policy or fucking decision. Did you know uh, what that word meant, no? Un externalities? Mm -hmm. I knew it meant ex something external. <laughs> I, knew no, it, I, knew it, I knew what it meant. Yeah. I knew it. But no, no, but, but if you don't 
if you don't get more granular and we're just adopting whatever it is that's coming down. Granular is a, is a cereal that you're going to eat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> healthy, healthy cereal. No, where are, uh, you know, uh, where is the major liability? Where's the major pitfall? I mean, we, we, we've been in the weeds as it relates to our current the specific political situation. But where does that lead culturally? Well, I was saying, I have to wrap it up, but I'll say this is that yeah. that cap on it that I would say is that there People think history started yesterday. They don't right, have right, any right, sort of right. institutional knowledge of politics and the rest of it. Right. And that we are in one part, and you know, it depends on how you draw the, the heel or the right. bell curve. The same. We're at one part of that. That's and right. as Noam said, people forget things, yeah. and the cycle starts all over again. Yeah. And if you look, at the, the, the 20th century was the best century and the bloodiest century. Yeah. It yes. was the most horrifying century, and it was the most clarifying century. I mean, yeah. the, these things that we have learned from that, that we have taken away from this, are essentially things like the genocide that, you can know... I, can I give you a perfect example? The further example? we get from Wait. calamity, the dumber we are. I want to give you a perfect example. We'll, come, we'll go back again, is my point. I yeah, want, we're going to go back to I want to give you an example of, my, of the phenomenon that I'm pointing to. So in, in the 60s, we almost took the world to war during the Cuban Missile Crisis because it was so unacceptable to have those missiles in Cuba. Today, people will say, it's okay if Iran gets a nuclear bomb. Mm -hmm. Arguably more of a threat than the, the, the Soviet missiles were. The, the geographical location doesn't really matter. Not right? anymore, no. But that was happening post-World War II when it was clear to us, no, these terrible things can happen. We can't have missiles in Cuba. Now, again, like I say, that's a black and white movie. What's the big deal if Iran has a nuclear bomb? And, and by the way, it's, it's a thousand times worse when you have a regime that believes in the return of a, the, yeah, hidden, yeah. the hidden imam, no the secret comparison. imam. Yeah, and, and that changed. is institutionally anti-Semitic and believes that a, a country in its neighborhood should not exist versus a, a, a bearded, cigar-chomping psycho who is cozying up to the Soviets because it was helpful to him and, economically. Well, the Soviets were making all the decisions. Yeah. So either we, were, wait, wait, either, we were either, either we were drastically overreacting in the 60s drastically underreacting today or somewhere in the middle, which is probably the truth. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just wondering how you would define yourself politically because you and Noam don't seem far apart in general and often quite close. Yeah, I'm one of those annoying people that wants to be a liberal, but liberals won't let me be a liberal. Right. I really desperately That's how want, I kind, I, yeah. I want to be. That's how I, but like I, don't, yeah, I can't count as identity politics. You know, limits on speech is something that traditionally came from the right, which is why I didn't like the right. The PMRC, by the way, which you know, you remember Paris in the Music 80, Research Council. Yeah, it, it, it tipped a hat. <laughs> Tipper Gore. Tipper it's, Gore. Well, exactly. It tipped a hat towards that was way it was going to go to the left because Tipper Gore was actually running these things. Yeah. But yeah, like that, that, that kind of shit was always to me, like it was Republicans and conservatives right. that were, were were prohibiting speech right. and were narrowing the the alleys of speech, and that's now changed, and it's astonishing to me. But the thing is, is that they did a very clever thing. And the clever thing is to recast speech as violence, right? And you'll see this all the time. Right. Is it like protecting safety? This right. is the yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the thing of like sure. you 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 appropriate this language, and then you say that 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 speech is violence. People literally make that argument yeah. that it's violence; it hurts you. So right. if a comic is on stage and says you just offended my experience, violence, my yeah. experience, and now. It's not the biggest room down here, but you, the, these rooms. Uh, imagine the number of people who have had inexperience right. when you're when you're doing a set. This is crazy. And how does one correct for this? But that is not something that comes from from the right anymore. And if it did, um, I come from the left anymore. Uh, they come from the right anymore. It used to be. That's why I want to be a member of of a sort of 
the left, broadly speaking, and I just can't find myself getting there. Final uh, question. Why do we do still you, have do to, just two parties that are electable? I was watching some of Noam Chomsky said the peak period of, of freedom for, for, the, for the press was 200 years ago. Where you uh, had he's an idiot. He's an idiot. No, but, he's not. Oh, my God. No, he's no, the, no. Worst. the worst. No, 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 did no, you ever but, read the debates with Hitchens? That he, I mean, Hitchens just well, I don't know him. about the whole debate. I'm just talking about this one <laughs> example of freedom of the press and the electability of other parties. You cannot trust and anything like, he writes or says. But, yeah. well, but he wrote a piece about him. Him, by the way, so you should like it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But this isn't really about Chomsky. It's just more about why do we have a process and a system where there are only two viable choices and nobody else has, has a legitimate voice? Uh, uh, two quick things about that. One is that Chomsky's utterly wrong about the, the press because he, he did this thing manufacturing consent with this complete psychopath named Edward Herman who yeah. just tries to find genocides to deny. Right, That's his right, like, hobby. Right, right. And uh, <laughs> he, their idea is that it's the corporate press, corporate press. It was okay. less corporate then, so it was freer. Okay. Utter horseshit. Okay. Not true, never has been true. But there were other parties, political they, parties, uh, that had I, electable candidates from I mean, they, I had, they had the Whigs. Yeah, so yes. like, but there weren't a ton. But I would say this is like there are always these moments where you have the Ross Perot moment of 13%, yeah, et cetera. Right. But the, it is not the best thing in the world to have multiple political parties. The best thing in the world is have the multiple representatives of an ideology within a party. Because what happens when you have multiple political parties, everyone like loves this and everyone's always like, oh, it's the fucking best thing. Go to Europe. And you, you know what you have in Europe? You have Nazis in power splintered. in a lot of places right. because you need them for coalitions because everything's splintered up into eight parties and then you have the far-right guys that have like 9% of the vote and you need them. I, I saw a poll today, the far-right party in Sweden, which was born out of a Nazi party, born out of a Nazi party, is now tied for first place with the Social Democrats at 25%. This is what happens because you fracture it so much and you need yeah. these people, then you give them positions of power and then people say, oh, well, they're not fucking things up that bad and oh. then they grow and they grow and they grow. There's been a very malign effect and a malignant effect mm. of, of, um, of, you know, these eight, nine parties. I get why people want it. Choice it seems isn't necessarily choice good. Right. Can I also yes. yes. yeah, First of all, yeah. for instance, in Israel, the small parties yes. have, have ridiculously outsized power to the numbers. Yeah. That's well, a, that's what he's but, saying, right? But, yeah. We say two parties, it makes it seem like there's only two ideologies. But the truth is, Trump came in yeah. shortly after the Tea Party was ascendant right. and hijacked the Republican yep. Party and turned it into standing for totally. something that it never stood before. So that's kind of like a third party, if you ask me. It's like it's 100% true. It's, it's, it's the populist conservative party. It's not the free market, neoconservative American greatness and foreign power, uh, foreign policy party that doesn't exist anymore. But and it's I the don't current think it's Republican come Party. But and, yeah, that's, that is the new Republican drunk Party. Drunken and, and sp profligate spending. Tr oh Trump, you know, the Tea Party was ready to go to war against yeah, the spending. Right, yes. right, and, yeah. and keep in mind now an important data point is that the the farmer bailouts, which have happened because of the tariffs, are now over twice as expensive than the auto bailouts, which the fucking Tea Party was like, you know, screaming and smashing windows over. Nobody cares about that. Let the record show I always supported the auto bailouts. Did you? Yeah, and I also <laughs> want to say, I did. Because I, I, I couldn't imagine letting, no, the auto, letting that perfect storm of economic ridiculousness tank you know, General Motors. I mean, it just didn't, like, why would we you do that? You didn't think that they would then come back, restructure, and be stronger because of it? I just felt which is that the notion, which if General Motors went bankrupt capitalism? during normal times, let right. them go. I see but if they, if they were brought down as by, a result I said, of, why, what, what was the risk? Prop right. them up, it doesn't right. work out, doesn't work out. What's, but 
What other hummus salesman that you know could tell you what the PMRC <laughs> is? Yeah. That's yeah. good. No, you're no hummus right. salesman. Yeah. No, okay. no hummus salesman. What? House voting impeachment. Uh, 200. Oh, they're voting now on impeachment. This is a nail biter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going to happen now. <laughs> All right, well, listen, Michael, yeah. this, this is a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for uh, having me. I appreciate yeah. it. You, you surpassed even Coleman's high uh, really? uh, praise oh, for you. Really? Oh, shit, yeah, that's yeah. great. And Coleman couldn't that be That might here. have meant that Coleman was just, like, kind of mixed on me. No, no. <laughs> Coleman, uh, the national intellectual that he is, couldn't be here because he's studying for final exams. I know, like his trombone exam. <laughs> he had to write a six-page uh, paper on Monet's paintings or you something. You know he was a Juilliard student before he, yeah, before I, he transferred. Oh, we, I'm a musician. We play together. Look at, oh, my he God. He plays here sometimes with me on Friday nights. Nerds. He's an amazing. Really? He's a good musician too. He's a, he's a good rapper. He's got his SoundCloud shit. That's he's really a, good. He's a great musician. Wow. He did a gig with Colin uh, two weeks ago. He's he's great. With Quinn? No, no. My, my, I have a musician Colin. I play with here sometimes named oh. Colin Smith, Smith, and he took uh, Coleman. Oh wow. So yeah, he's a good, he's a great rapper. He's well, a great thank, musician. well, thank you, Coleman. He's a he's a, he's a uh, an intellectual in the making. Yeah, he he cannot draw well. <laughs> this is this is you found this is, this is Achilles' heel. Just, no, just so you know. All right, uh, thank you very much. Thanks, man. I appreciate I hope, it. Hope you liked it. Good night, every Apparel. Do you want to say anything? Podcast yeah. at commiesell.com. Write your emails. Podcast at commiesell.com. Yeah. Wait, wait, Dove. Oh, we forgot. Yeah, we didn't yeah. get to synagogue. What am I doing? Okay, Where? I, what are you doing? Oh, What's I'll be, going I'll be on? Where can we find pro. you? I'll be at the, I, I, one, I got to read a lot more about politics if I'm going to sit down here again. But the um, I, I Tempe Improv uh, ne next. Next week, day after Christmas. And where can we find you on the? Oh yeah, just at Dove David. Off. Oh, yeah. Nobody needs shit. this you know. stuff. Yeah, yes, yeah. everybody needs People it. People plug stuff like there's no Google. <laughs> and and interested, we'll just at, Google yeah. you. And at this is not the Tonight Show in, in 1979. <laughs> at live from the table on Instagram. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>